Just some uh, signing news yesterday. Liam Martin signed a one-year extension there with the Penrith Panthers. So he'll be there till the end of 2024. Uh, Two premierships, six origins, five tests, played in the World Cup final there uh, against Samoa just, uh, what, a couple of months ago there as well. So uh, Penrith, uh, they've lost a few, which was always going to happen considering salary cap restrictions, values going up. That's just what happens after winning premierships. Interesting, a one-year extension, Loz, though, backing himself, I guess. I think a lot of players uh, will either they'll have the long-term contract in mind or they'll back themselves over a short period of time. Um, and again, with Penrith, some of these players will accept unders to stay. Um, and if they continually keep winning, that will make them feel like they can't leave or won't leave. Um, and then there's other players that will get, um, you know, what they're worth uh, because they're not challenging for that million-dollar status. Um, so a guy like Liam Martin, you know, he's very good back row, but he's not going to command the same amount of money as a Nathan Cleary or Jerome Luai or a Steve Crichton. Mm. So more than likely, Penrith will be able to keep those type of guys. But it's the ones that will inflate the market, the ones that will be worth that upwards of $900,000, you, you can't have too many of them on your roster. And that's why you have to let some of those players go. But a guy like Liam Martin, he's just a workhorse. He's aggressive in everything that he does, and they get value for money out of him every week. Text message here. Morning, gentlemen. Any truth in the rumour? That's the whole text message. Can't I'm, I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> I don't know what the rumour is, but I'm going to go with yes. There's definitely some truth in it. Okay. <laughs> Keep them coming. Zero assume, four. <laughs> assume yes if we're involved. <laughs> Zero four one nine seven six seven two seven two. But uh, we got a very special guest now, and uh, well, he's covered upwards of three hundred Test matches. Legendary sports commentator with the ABC, been there. Well, I think since nineteen seventy three. Jim Maxwell joining us. Jim, a very good morning to you. Good morning. How's it going? It's sunny here, and that's a good sign. We might get through the day without getting wet, which will be very pleasing. That's good. Is this your eighth tour to the subcontinent, Jim? Oh, well, actually, I'm, I'm not going this time. I've decided that uh, I'll keep my, uh, my, my pipe filled for the ashes and let a few of the younger blokes go. Yeah. As you've suggested in your remarks there, I have been around for a while, so it's probably time <laughs> to give mother fellas the chance. And India's a bit in your face, so um, as resilient as I might be, I, I think it's it's time for someone else to uh, in, enjoy the, the challenge of uh, keeping their patience. And in- Jim, how do you think the boys are going to go over there, mate? We've obviously had a successful summer. We've got a lot of experience in our squad now, but this is a uh, this is a you know a really tough challenge winning in those conditions. Well, I'm, as I'm sure you recall, Michael, from 2004, Australia won the toss and batted the first three games, and I think uh, that was a a useful part of what came afterwards. And so but it does seem on um, recent tours to India, winning the toss and batting is a very important part of it mm. because more often than not, the pitches deteriorate sometimes more quickly than they'd want. So um, uh, whether Pat Cummins is as good at two up, I don't know. He's just mm. won five tosses, but he wasn't calling. Um, so that'll be an interesting part of it all. But we've got a very experienced side, and I think the visit to... Pakistan uh, last year and the way Australia played with um, so, so much con- control and commitment um, 
yeah, I think they can go very well if they stick to their main attack most of the time, which is the pace attack. Uh, I think they can do the business with some reverse swing on abrasive surfaces, and uh, yeah, their batting looks all right. I, I don't think I've ever, see, ever seen Steve Smith in such uh, tremendous form. So I, I think uh, we get a chance for sure. Uh, good morning, Jim. Great to speak to you, mate. Um, just on the Australians' preparation, and we know that you know a lot of these players um, are tired and they need to to rest and. Um, you know, going to India and then backing up in the Ashes is a long season um, ahead. And we've discussed on this program about what the right preparation is for the Australians. And they're having no lead-up game over there in India. And they've been practicing at North Sydney on these um, pitches that hopefully mm. will suit um, or, you know, replicate what India might might toss up. Um, what do you think is the best preparation for an Australian team to go to India is? Well, I think the important part of that is to be confident, to be in some good form, which you'd have to say this Australian team is, apart from the injuries to Stark and, and, and Green, which may be overcome fairly quickly. Um, they're in pretty good nick, OK? They, they didn't beat um, very strong teams during the, the last summer, but you know, they, they, they keep on doing what they need to do. And if they can carry that confidence into this series, and, and they, they've clearly decided after a, a, a number of tours there where the practice matches haven't helped them much, but the, it's you're better off being in the nets on surfaces, hopefully, that are prepared to, to behave like the, the pitch in the middle of the ground. So um, I, I think they've, they've worked out that that's a better way to go about it uh, than, than these matches that they play beforehand. We'll, we'll see. But if you get off to a strong start in any test series, particularly playing away from home, um, you've got a chance. And... Um, of course, in 2004, that's what Australia did. And uh, hopefully with the experience in this side, um, they'll be able to do that because um, uh, Pat Cummins has, has got a, a, a very a strong all-round team who's played a, a lot of test match cricket now. So uh, you'd like to think with the, the few deficiencies in the Indian team, there's no Panther, there's no Jasprit Bumrah, um, they'll be hard to replace, particularly Pants batting at number seven. Uh, just extraordinary. So I think we're in, in pretty good shape, but um, we'll wait and see. See what the pitches are going to be like. I don't think even we, we know what they're going to be like. Probably you, the Indians don't know until the groundsman turns up and says, OK, this is what we're doing. Yeah, well, I think we can assume that what India want, India will get. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you, tell me about this number six position. If Cameron Green's not bowling, do they still pick him as a specialist batsman? Do they then go three quicks and two spinners? Do they bring in another all-rounder? What is the right 11 for this Australian squad? That's a good question. And I suppose, again, it depends on how they, they see the, the pitch, but... I mean, four four good bowlers with a, a, a occasional backup of a of a Travis Travis Head, uh, maybe even Steve Smith. Um, you can't win a Test match with your four best bowlers, assuming they will stay fit. Um, well, then you you're having an, an extra bowler, particularly another spin bowler. If he's not good enough, I wouldn't bother. I'd just go with three quicks and line, and um, bring in Renshaw at, at this point. At number six, as as he was in the in the Sydney Test, there will be a time where Carey will bat at six in a Test match, but I don't think at the start of a series that's that's the thing to do. 
Jim's such a unique place to tour and I'm sure call cricket as well. What test match sticks out in your time uh, of being over there? And, and you, know, you go from the Tide Test to the amazing partnership uh, between Laxman and Drava mm-hmm. to the series win in 04. Is there one test or, or one day being at, at a ground there in India that sticks out above the rest? Well, 2001 was arguably the greatest series ever played between Australia and India, with Australia winning in Mumbai just after the death of Don, Don Bradman on the back of Hayden and Gilchrist's extraordinary batting on a turning surface. Australia won in three days. And then um, the turnaround at Eden Gardens. Why aren't they playing at Eden Gardens? They haven't played this since 2001. Um, anyway, that, that was the most amazing test match you'd ever want to see with Australia enforcing the follow-on and losing the game spectacularly on the last day. And, uh, and then the third, third test in Chennai, um, India won by just two wickets. It could have gone either which way. But, um, uh, yeah, I think that's the, the, be- the best three-test series, certainly, I've, I've, I've ever seen. And uh, if they could get that kind of cricket quality of cricket again, uh, they'll probably be struggling without Tendulkar's presence on that score. But still, um, I'm sure it'll be competitive and, and thrilling, thrilling to watch. We've also seen a lot of change in the game, no doubt, Jim, and, and you know a lot of debate at the moment, particularly after South Africa, I think surprisingly were lacking in competitiveness, let's face it, over the summer we've just seen. So how fearful are you about the future of Test cricket at the moment? I think outside Australia, India and England, uh, I'd be very fearful of it. Because of the congestion of the schedule more than anything else, with more and more T20 franchises coming around, and, and there's going to be a big uh, development in in America as soon as the Americans can get their act together. But uh, the Indian influence there will be very strong. Plenty of their corporate money will be coming into the game, and we've got them at the moment, at any rate, if it goes ahead, the 2024 uh, T20 Championship being played a lot in America, and then. Uh, perhaps cricket at the Olympics in Los Angeles in, in 28. So I think America is going to become part of the scene, which will put more pressure on their schedule to fit test matches in. And really, uh, the lesser nations who aren't very financially viable will need to be playing more white ball cricket in order to sustain themselves. So I think at the margins, test, test cricket's going to be struggling. But I'd love to think that uh, when we're all long gone, we'll still be playing for at least the Ashes and and the Border Gavaska Trophy. Well, let's uh, enjoy the here and now. It's going to be a great series. And, uh, of course, the Ashes coming up later in the year as well. Jim, appreciate mm. your time this morning. It's a it's a pleasure to have a chat. There he is, boys. Josh Reynolds. That's his new locker because he's now in the top 30. Yeah! That's it. That's the announcement. <laughs> Josh Reynolds <laughs> in the roster. They're at the Dogs for season 2023. Oh, yeah. And uh, he joins us now, fresh from a good game of golf there yesterday as well. How are you, champion? Hello, boys. How are we? Very well. Congratulations, Congratulations mate. mate. Yeah, awesome. Uh, take us through awesome. the take us through the announcement, and uh, I'm guessing what we just heard was when you were first aware as well. Oh, so I, I actually have to keep a bit of a secret, boys. To be honest, I found out on um, on Saturday, so we had a bit of a field session. A bit of an opposed, actually. And then um, sort of straight after it, I was just sitting in a little, uh, I suppose, a little circle on the field with a couple of the boys. And and Gus and Cam 
um, sort of come up to me and pull me aside, and I was like, gee, this could go one way, one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what was sort of going on, but then, yeah, um, uh, Gus sort of said, uh, look, mate, the coach wants you in the top 30, and um, it, it got me a bit, to be honest, boys. It was, I was right in the middle of Belmore Oval. Um, you know, I, I, I've won... Yeah, under seven's grand finals there. I've I've been able to play for the, the Mighty Bulldogs on that ground, and yeah, it sort of all hit me at once. I didn't have much to say to the two. I felt a bit bad. <laughs> I had my back turned to them, but um, yeah, it, it was a great moment, and um, one old one old cherish forever. Pretty special, Josh. Yeah, and, and I know you've done the work, so it's not given to you. You've earned it which makes it probably more special. But what you've been through, the highs, the lows. But mate, And again, not too many athletes get to go out on their own terms. And I know you've said it to us on this program as well. For you to have this chance to be back at a club that is family to you must just mean the absolute world to, to you. Yeah, Clark, you made it. Honestly, I, I was sort of talking um, to one of the boys the other day about how probably the most satisfying feeling I've, I've ever had, you know, footy-wise. I've obviously been very, very lucky to, you know, be in some great teams and do some great things in rugby league, but I've never really had to, I suppose, be on the edge every day and, I suppose, push my body to the limits um, like I did this pre-season. And, you know, I, I you know, Cam and, and the boys played a, played a fairly straight bat the whole time, you know. I was, I was learning new things every day. I was stuffing up. I was... You know, I was I was having to put my body pretty much on the line every day, and it just makes it so much more sweet now. And especially, you know, when I found out the other day, we actually had a bit of a like a club photo, and all, pretty much everyone from the whole club was there. And just, you know, all the old people who who had been there for a very very long time, staff, and, and just ex players were just so happy for me, and and that just brought me sort of so much joy. And and yeah, look, it's um. It's a great moment right now, but uh, it's it's only the start, and I I don't just want to rest on this. I want to make sure I have you know an impact in the squad, and you know I'd love to play some games, and yeah, yeah all the hard parts over now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have yeah. to worry about so good. doing Malcolm's every day now, yeah. so no, it's, it's, it's good. Uh, well done, Grubby. Uh, thoroughly deserved, mate. And I'm sure all Bulldog supporters are extremely happy, and just fans of rugby league in general. Love to see you back and have one more year with the club. But, mate, I know we've spoken before about, you know, if you were to be a part of this 30, what type of role uh, you could play or, or might play. Now that you're in that top 30, do you set yourself the challenge of maybe forcing your way into that 13 or are you just being realistic going, up? Uh, you know, that bench spot is probably most likely where I'll be? Well, so I, I actually mentioned this to the boys when I... Um, when I got told, well, when Cam told the boys a couple of days ago, to be completely honest, when I first um, spoke to Gus, I I just wanted to be a part of it somehow. You know, I wanted to, you know, either have a role at the club or, you know, be a part of the squad and just fill in wherever I was needed. But the more and more I've been training with this group and the more I see the group growing, I, it just made me want to be a part of it. And then I suppose my competitive side kicked in um, you know, probably probably three three or four weeks into preseason, I was like, I want to be a part of this because yeah. something you know something building here and and was you know I'm not you know I, I am realistic and at the same time I know there's there's lots of guys you know in front of me at the moment and I, I 
I sort of know that. But at the same time, now that I've you know I'm in the top thirty and I'm available from round one, mm-hmm. I'll be doing everything in my power to to get in that team. And whether it's you know to to come off the bench or or whatever is need be, I'll do. I, I spoke to Cam about the other day. He was he sort of just said to me, look. I want you to try a few different positions. We had a bit of a, a review last week of our pre-season and he said he wants to slot me into a few more positions and uh, I'm happy with that, Loz, wherever I can sort of play a role. Um, it, it's what I want to do. It, it, I, I'd, be, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to, you know, break my way in straight away and and just, yeah, because I feel great. I yeah. feel awesome. So. And you never want to lose that either, mate. You, you want to well, have that desire and that fight because that'll that'll add to the group too. Yeah, I think so too, Lodge, because I, for me, during this preseason, it's sort of been the same. You know, I haven't gone into a post and set up 10 tries and, you know, looked, looked, looked amazing. There's, there's, young, there's younger kids under me who are, who are, you know, setting the world on fire at training. But for me, I'm just doing all the little things and, you know, that's, that's probably the way I want to get into the team. You know, just be that guy. Uh, if you need me, I'm there and, and I'll do a job. How's the body, mate? Do you feel 100%? Has it pulled up okay after, I'd imagine, what's been a, a pretty high-intensity pre, um, pre-season? Yeah, percentage-wise, Clark, yeah, I definitely wouldn't be saying 100. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in saying that, like, mentally, um, it's the best I've ever felt in my body in a while. I I put full trust in, you know, everyone in, in there at the club and, They've been really good with me. Um, sometimes uh, I'm my own worst enemy at training because I feel, you know, if I'm sort of getting, you know, pulled out of any drills or anything just to, I suppose, save the legs because of, um, you know, my age and how many pre-seasons I've done, I feel bad. But, you know, one, a couple of the guys have just explained it's not about, you know, you mentally. It's about us getting you to where you want to be and stuff. So, yeah, it, it is... I did have a bit of a period there, Clarkie, where I did do the hemi, and you know I, I had a bit of a bit of a down few few weeks, but now I feel great, and I'm honestly raring to go for this trial, you know, next week, and I just can't wait to get out there. And we've done a lot of hard work. We actually have. I know everyone has at this time, and but I just feel as a club um, and a group from the first day I got there to now, we've just we've grown and grown, and yeah, I can't wait to. I suppose, see the finished product in an actual game. Yeah, you've seen a lot of pre-seasons, different players, different regimes. I mean, how's this different? Why is it unique? Why is Cameron Serraldo unique in this playing group? Yeah, I have, you know, I, I've seen, you know, I've, I, I've been at pre-seasons where we've just run and constantly run and they've, you know, tried to, I suppose, break you mentally like that. Um, I've been at ones where it's more, you know, footy skills and um, con games, but for me with this one, I just, I've never seen a, a group or even sort of a, a bunch of a, a coaching staff just all buy in. And I know I'm honestly mean that. Um, you know, we've had some some massive weeks some some long days. And I just know in previous groups I've been a part of, there'd be a lot of complaining. But I've never, I've never seen a, a bunch of boys just go, you know what, we're all here for the greater cause. You know, we've all got massive faith in Cam. Uh, he definitely knows what he's doing. He's been a part of the Penrith system that's just been a juggernaut for, you know, a few years now and everyone's just buying into that. And the one thing I will say about um, Ciro 
and, and at the moment is he he's buying into everything at the club. Um, he's making uh, making sure you know new guys to the club realise you know what's gone into it. You know, ex players is all ex players back. All the boys have that much respect and time for what's gone into it. And I think the best thing about that is all the boys want to you know do it for them for them guys and. Yeah, it's just a bit different, man. There's something special about it. Um, and I'm just, yeah, as again, I said, I'm happy to be a part of it and just hopefully I can help out in any way possible throughout the season. Well, mate, congrats once again. Can't wait to see how it all unfolds and we'll chat soon. Thanks, boys. League Cup semi-final this morning. Second leg, Old Trafford. Manchester United up against Nottingham Forest and uh, it is 2-0 United. 80 minutes gone, so they're leading 5-0 on aggregate. Anthony Martial and Fred, the goal scorers for United in the 73rd and 76th minutes. So just recently, so headed for Wembley for the League Cup final will be Manchester United and Newcastle. Um, Now, the big news overseas is that Tom Brady has retired uh, after 23 years in the NFL, seven Super Bowls. And I'll tell you what, there's some uh, people not happy about us, you know, not mentioning some people in the greatest ever argument. Uh, Can't believe Tiger Woods hasn't been mentioned yet. Stamina on and off the the course. (laughs) Greatest athlete by far, Uh, says Cowboy from Hill. Have you guys heard of Kelly Slater? Uh, Dave Foster, 21 World Championships, I think 19 straight. Um, Don't forget Kim Jong-il's famous round of golf. Uh, someone else says so. Yeah, look, it's one of the great pub arguments, isn't it? The greatest ever. Uh, keep them coming. Yeah, Tiger, no comparison, uh, says Sean. Uh, no team, weather outdoors, different court slash field every weekend, one against all nationalities in different countries. I'll tell you what I did read the other day that Donald Trump was a cheater. And they said he won the club championship without (laughs) playing on the Saturday or something. He said he played around. They said he played the round. He couldn't get there when everyone else was playing. So he played it later that evening Mm. and uh, got the score and went on and won the club championship. How does that happen? It's his course, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the Don. Then they're blowing up. Just saying. So, did anyone play with him? No, no. Just no one. No. He's just gone around by himself, marked his own card. Yes. And gone, look, I'm the club champion. <laughs> well, when it's your course, Loz, you can do whatever you want, I suppose. Well, you can't complain, can you? Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the board going to do? He'd kick him off the board. He's probably chairman, <laughs> CEO. Uh, it's his, his rules. He's running too, by the way, isn't he? I uh, don't know. Haven't been following it. Yeah, I think he's putting his hand up. He's making some noise at the moment. In fact, I'm sure there's a market there would be for that uh, nomination. The Republicans get behind Trump again. Yeah, there is. Here there we go. Some back I've, though, got, so. I've, got, I've got it. Uh, well, his third favourite. Okay, I've got the 2024 US presidential election market here with Tab. Ron DeSantis is $3.50. Joe Biden, $3.75. Donald Trump, $4.50. 17 and longer the rest. Mm. Well, he's got to get the Republican nomination first, doesn't mm. he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, makes, makes me want to go back and watch House of Cards, that loss. <laughs> Great show. Great show. One of the best. Uh, we're going to head to the States shortly. Ben Damon, what a gig.
He's over there uh, for main event and uh, will be part of the ESPN broadcast for the Liam Wilson fight coming up this weekend. They're in uh, Arizona as well, where the Super Bowl is uh, next week. So Liam Wilson is fighting for the WBO Super Featherweight title against Mexican Emmanuel Navarrete. And uh, with Tab, the Mexican's a dollar six. So that gives you an idea of the task Wilson has. He is $8.50 to win this fight. And uh, from the States, Ben joins us. G'day, Ben. Gee, that's good value. $8.50 for a bloke who, for a living, knocks people unconscious in Liam Wilson. Um, He's a massive outsider. He's been overlooked altogether. But I just finished chatting with him after the press conference, and you've never seen anyone more confident than what Liam Wilson is. He says that this is his destiny. He's here to shock the world. And uh, when you talk to him, you you sort of buy into it. You believe him. Well, well, Benny, you mentioned he's got a powerful punch, but what else has he got that would give you confidence and others that he can win? I'll tell you what he's got is motivation. Um, he's just talked to me about the fact that he made a promise to his father on his father's deathbed when he was 15 years of age and said, I will win a world title for you one day, Dad. Um, and he's thinking about that at every moment through this week. And he said that if he hears the words and new at the end of this fight on Saturday afternoon Australian time, his mind's going to turn straight to his dad and uh, that promise that he made. So, um, yeah, there's a, a story in that, of course. But in a boxing sense, he is bigger than Emmanuel Navarrete. Um, they came face to face for the first time ever today. Um, and it's significant, that height difference. Uh, Navarrete is coming up in weight. He's a two-division former world champion. He's a, a Mexican warrior and a very, very good fighter. But he is coming up to the super featherweight division for the first time. So that is an advantage for Liam Wilson. And the other thing is that he can punch Wilson. He'll need to because Navarrete will be trying to knock him out mm. and he's going to need to keep him away and he has the power to do so. So you can understand why he is a big outsider, but he is in with a chance. Yeah, Benny, I was going to ask, does this fight go the distance or do you think a knockout? They're both going to try and knock each other out. That's yeah. for sure. They're, they're two very big punches. So sometimes that cancels uh, each other out, but yeah, I, I do get the impression someone's getting stopped. Yeah, we okay. just hope that it's Navarrete because it would be such a big thing for Australian boxing. If he were to win here, Wilson, it is the biggest upset victory ever by an Australian in a world title fight. He's 8.50 now with Tab, but he opened, uh, and I think he still is, somewhere closer to $16, $17 over here in the US. So uh, he's an enormous outsider, but um, yeah, I, I get the impression someone's getting stopped. And with the power that he has, particularly in his left hook, um, there would be no shock, at least in an Australian boxing sense, if it was uh, Navarrete getting knocked out by Wilson. Okay, so this would be bigger than the Cambosis victory over TFMO Lopez. Well, it would price-wise because um, there was plenty of support for for uh, Cambosis in that fight. And the other one uh, is Jeff Horn, of course. Um, he was only a, a six or seven dollar outsider, whereas whereas Wilson has been um, much, much bigger than that. Jeff Horn had the advantage of fighting at home, at least. Uh, Wilson is here in enemy territory, having his first ever fight on foreign soil. Cambosis as well. He had fought overseas previously, and uh, there was some support for him against Lopez. So uh, I think he was about uh, $4.50 or $5 when they jumped in that fight. There's others as well. But this one, in a betting sense, and in terms of uh, the the weight of expectation on a champion against one of our Aussies, uh, it would be the biggest ever. Overall, Benny, do you think this is the strongest 
era or or strongest group of fighters Australia have produced? Oh, by a long way. Yeah, this is the golden era in Australian boxing. We've got um, Jaya Batara, world champion. There's two female world champions, Shanika Johnson and Ebony Bridges. Uh, Jason Maloney's going to fight for a world title shortly. So is Tim Zhu, of course. Um, Liam Wilson's fighting for a world title this weekend and there's so many more who are poised for, for really big things so we've got Jeff Horn to thank for a lot of it so with what he did against Manny Pacquiao he really did breathe new life into the sport there's a lot of interest from TV networks of course and, and a media sense with a lot of these fights really turning mainstream and with that comes uh, more funding for amateur boxing uh, more interest from boxers in staying with the sport and as a result yeah we're in a really strong spot so many good boxers so many really competitive competitive fighters and and really strong fights and it's going to be an exciting year this one because uh well if Liam could do something almost unthinkable here it'd kick it off brilliantly but there's so much more to come and a really really exciting time for the sport in in Australia yeah how about you getting the little uh, trip there to Arizona as well a bit of envy in this uh in this studio (laughs) stay an extra week yeah that's it (laughs) could you could you Speak to someone about some tickets to the Super Bowl because I'd be happy to, to stick out here in Arizona. It's a lovely part would. of town. Um, but, uh, Hard life. Someone's going to do it, buddy. Yeah, what, what's the atmosphere like over there, though? I guess it's the calm before the storm, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's still pretty, um, pretty excited. We're staying in a hotel which is right next to the venue for the fights, which is also about 100 metres from the Super Bowl venue. So um, you can see the stadium and already, yeah, there's a buzz around the place. They're, they're all sort of just getting prepared, talking about how big it's going to be. But you can tell there's some energy here. Um, I know there's a media day on Monday, um, a couple of days after the fight. So uh, plenty of people coming to town to, to begin sort of uh, the preparations towards it. It's uh, obviously going to be enormous over here. And um, yeah, I'd love to stick around. So we'll see how we go. But uh, uh, first things first, we've got to win a world title over here with uh, Liam Wilson in a fight that you can see on Fox Sports and KO this Saturday. So coverage from 10.30. Uh, I think Liam will be in the ring about 3 p.m. But, um, yeah, it'll be a, a really exciting day um, and, and a huge opportunity for a young Aussie. If he was to win, what's the next target? Well, he'll probably get forced into a fight with another top-ranked affiliated uh, fighter in Oscar Valdez. That'd be the fight. Uh, He'd be happy to take that. If he beats this bloke, uh, he'll fight anyone, and quite happily so, because Navarrete is is the real deal. But uh, Oscar Valdez is the other one. Um, He would also probably be able to bring that fight to Australia. So it'd be a a really exciting time for Australian boxing and hosting another world title fight with an Australian champion. But um, he won't be looking too far ahead. Just yet, he's got to get through Emmanuel Navarrete, uh, a really tough fight. But um, as we've been saying, he does have the power to keep him honest. And let's just hope he catches him with something. Uh, just away uh, from Liam Wilson, Ben, Justice Hooney. Uh, so what does the future look like there now? So he's about to change stables, correct? Yeah, it looks that way. Uh, there's been this rumour around for a few weeks, and I know there have been conversations uh, being taking place for Justice Hooney, and it does appear very likely that he will sign with Matchroom. Um, Eddie Hearn is the, the big man at Matchroom, of course. Um, he's got a good relationship with Australian boxing. He's got a number of Australian boxers, uh, Ebony Bridges, of course, and Liam Paro, um, amongst those, Sky Nicholson, who fights um, in New York um, this Saturday night um, American time. And that's fights that I'll be going to as well. Um, and, 
yeah, it's it's an exciting time for Matchroom and, and what they're doing. But for Justice Hooney, um, it really propels him into the mainstream in the heavyweight division. We've been so excited to watch his journey. His seven fights in, he's he's looked brilliant. Throughout. But but switching to Matchroom, um, well, he, he'll essentially be basing himself uh, for a lot of his fights overseas. He'll be finding some fights in Australia, I'm sure, but he'll be uh, thrust into the spotlight with Matchroom and all of their heavyweights. So it's an exciting time for him. Um, of course, we'd love to see him with an Australian promoter um, and on an Australian network exclusively, but um, in, in a boxing sense, uh, exciting times for, for Justice Hooney. Okay, but this fight Saturday, our time here, I'm just seeing it. There's been a small change in the market since na- last night. So Navarrete is $1.07 and Wilson now $8 with tab. Head there you head. go. That's just from what we've been talking about. They've, <laughs> they've brought him in half a point. Maybe he'll jump a, a little bit tighter than that. But, um, yeah, he deserves to be an outsider. Navarrete, a serious fighter. But if you did have the chance to chat with him. Like, he's just so confident. Uh, you get a, a buzz around him. Uh, Liam Wilson, he's got to be some sort of a chance. Okay. And just remind us again, Ben, that's Saturday afternoon. Saturday, our time here in Australia. Yeah, Saturday, um, your time in Australia. So 10.30, the coverage starts. Okay. Um, we'll be taking the ESPN coverage. Uh, you'll be able to see my smiling face as part of that broadcast uh, as well for the uh, Australian audience and the American audience. And then I reckon around... Three o'clock Australian time, uh, Liam Wilson should be in the ring to fight for the world title against Emmanuel Navarrete. Love your work, mate. Enjoy, and uh, we'll chat soon. Thanks so much. Enjoy the fights. Talk soon. Bye-bye. On our screens here, we're just watching 11-time world champion Kelly Slater. Speaking of to, goats, Mido. Take to Pipeline here in Hawaii. <sighs> He's got to be in the conversation, doesn't it? Yeah, he does. He definitely Surely. does. Surely. How old's Kelly now? Still uh, rocking it. He looks about 30. He'd be 45. Mid-40s, wouldn't he? Got no, he's older than that. He's 50. 50, isn't he? 50 right years of age, he's 50, and he's, he's still a, rocking he's it. He's about to turn 51 in about 10 days' time. Mate, he looks Feb 30. 11. He's got, to, he's got to be in the conversation. Yeah. Unreal. What, <laughs> what a career. Um, we're about to cross, I think, Dave Stanley's at Ramwick this morning, so we'll head to him shortly. But a uh, quick tip for tonight, the Sixers and the Brisbane Heat. Clarkie, putting you on the spot. So I'm going to do- go Sixers to win. Yep. Uh, let me give you a market here for the mm-hmm. high bat, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll, we'll find a player. So for the, the Sixers, Josh Phillips, he's 375. Curtis Patterson, 450. Daniel no. Hughes and Moses Enriquez, mm. uh, $5. Jack Edwards, 6 Jordan Silk, 7 Double figures the rest. I think Phillippe tonight. I think he's been opening the batting with Steve Smith, and Smithy's been the one to... Dominate. I reckon you might see Philippi just stand up for the Sixers. He might be leading run scorer. Dollar fifty three head to head. Brisbane Heat two dollars fifty. The winner plays the Scorchers in the Big Bash final on Saturday. Um, Dave Stanley, we got him. G'day, mate. How are you? Morning, Mido. Morning, boys. How are we this morning? Good, DS. How are you? Yeah, good. I'm out at Ramwick. Uh, beautiful day here at Ramwick and. Home ground. Yeah, home ground today. I mm. uh, didn't have to cross the bridge. Mm. So looking forward to Racing HQ, which comes up shortly. We've got Gosford today in New South Wales, which will be a beauty. But why I'm out at Randwick is uh, there's obviously the country championships not too far away. And the tab, as always, are going to be travelling around to all of the, uh, the different locations. And they'll have different uh, setups here and there. And they're going to have a bit of a challenge for the punters that get along to these various towns on the day, and it's in the form of a mechanical horse. 
So uh, there's a bit of a challenge where you jump on the mechanical horse. Mm-hmm. It's the same sort is this, of... Is it as big as the mechanical bull or is it a small... No, so, so basically when jockeys are being uh, learning to, to ride, uh, apprentices at like apprentice school and whatnot, they have these sort of, you know, devices uh, that you can jump on and it sort of, you know, gives you the same mechanics as, as riding a horse and they can sort of practice oh. how they hold the reins, etc. you know, um, sitting in the irons, yep. etc. So... They've got me on one of them this morning. Can which, you get video uh, of that? I think there is some video of it, but they it's going to be a situation, and there's going to be more information to roll out, but as far as I know, it's going to be sort of like a 400-metre time trial where you've got to be able to beat these times. Now, everyone's going to beat my time. Don't worry about that. But they paired me up beside Marlo, who has ridden horses and obviously is and you know, the, the, weight, the weight of a feather. Yeah. So, uh, look, it was, uh, it was a bit of fun, and I think a few others from the BSB family are going to be out here today trialling it and having a crack. Um, there's been a, been a whisper that Blocker could be around to have a crack at one of these uh, devices. I know Brad Rosen will be yeah. uh, coming along. So, yeah, a bit of fun, but if you're out there at the country championships and you see these particular activations, get involved with them because there's going to be some good prizes to win, which you could find yourself... Back at Randwick for the championships, boys. Beautiful. Who's on the show today? Uh, we've got Brad Whittup on the program. He's going to kickstart uh, proceedings. We've got Lyle Chandler, Mitch Cohen with the latest in news, which will be an absolute cracker. Uh, Albury today as well. So Kim Davidson we're going to chat to. He's a trainer from uh, down that neck of the woods. And Peter Snowden will join us. So it's going to be uh, an absolute beauty. We'll try and find your winner and have some fun, boys. DS McDonald's or Kentucky Fried Chicken? What do you go for? Um, two if, I, choices. if I had to choose, probably uh, Dirty Bird, mate. Okay. Thank you. Just wanted just, just a question. Well, in, in, yeah. in what just reference a, nah. is that? Why, no, why I was we... just, just, just a question. I was just thinking about it. I was thinking if you got those two choices, I'm interested to know which way you would go. Which way would you go, Pam? I would go McDonald's. Why? Uh, I'm a quarter pounder and a cheeseburger lover. Uh, and KFC doesn't do a quarter pounder and a cheeseburger. No. So, yeah. What about yourself, Loz? Oh, it's... Difficult choice, probably the dirty bird. Dirty bird. Yeah, dirty bird. <laughs> Hello to our friends at Kentucky. And what about yourself, Mido? Hands down, KFC. Yeah, KFC. 100%. There the singer. Yeah. I'm a See? little So different. you're on the quarter pounder. Oh, I'm maybe, yeah. There He's you go. on the you're quarter just, pounder, yes. He you're is. on the quarter pounder. 100%. The Big mind, Mac. I don't mind. Nah, quarter pounder. I normally go large quarter pounder meal, two cheeseburgers, and 20 nuggets. Jeez. In that's, one setting. That's my go to, yep. Yep. How do you put it away? Where do you put it, Michael? My mouth. All right, beautiful. It's uh, eight fifty-eight. <laughs> Sky Sports Radio. <laughs> Mido, any help? I'm done. Game over. Talk about a zinger. Uh, let's go to the news, which comes up very, very soon. Actually, here's one for you. Just before you go, seeing we're on this train. Where, where do you, uh, chips? Chips from uh, KFC. Oh, McDonald's. chips are better at KFC. KFC. But, no, I just take the Maccas. Yeah, gravy's yeah. good. I'm a fan yeah. of gravy. What about Red, 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 red Rooster? Red Rooster, yeah. underrated. Very hard good. to find these days. Yeah. It's all right. We'll see Michael and a Red Rooster ad shortly. Uh, have a good day, boys. <laughs> good on you, Dave. <laughs> have a good day.